Nifla'ois Bakoil, the events of Tishrei, Tafshinun Beis, in the Rebbe's presence, part 2. Erev Yom Kippur, Rabbi Schmerling. Every year, the Rebbe would do Kaparis alone in his room. In the early morning, the Mazkir would bring the chicken into the Rebbe's room. A few minutes later, the Rebbe would come outside to the Chatzar, holding the chicken in his hands, where Rabbi Yisrael Shimon Kalmanson would shecht it. On Erev Yom Kippur, Tavshin Nun Beis, the Shechita was held outside the front door of 770, which enabled many more people to witness this special moment. There was more place to stand, and the Rebbe was elevated, which made it easier for more people to see. A large crowd gathered on the sidewalk outside 770. At about 8.30 a.m., the Rebbe walked out for Kapardis with a very serious expression. Rabbi Lowenthal The Rebbe came downstairs for Mincha at 3.15. After davening, the Rebbe said a sicha full of himmel The Rebbe spoke of the mitzvah of eating and drinking on Erev Yom Kippur and went on to speak about the imminent arrival of Mashiach, stating that if Mashiach will come today, the Hasidish Sauda of today will continue into Yom Kippur with the Sher Habar and Lev Yasan. Yom Kippur will then be celebrated with the greatest joy, similar to what occurred when the first base Hamikdash was dedicated. The Rebbe continued, saying that Yom HaKippurim can be interpreted to mean that Yom Kippur is similar to Purim in the context of being greater than Purim, which demands us to be in a state of joyful celebration, Adaloyoda, far greater than the joyful celebration of Purim. The Rebbe spoke for about an hour, concluding the Sicha by beginning his father's Hakafisnigin and vigorously encouraged the singing. This was a very unusual conduct for Erev Yom Kippur. Before leaving Shul, the Rebbe gave out dollars for tzedakah, during which a big circle of dancing formed in the center of the Shul, in light of the remarkable words we had just merited to hear from the Rebbe. After hearing the Sicha, before returning to 770 to receive our bracha from the Rebbe as Bachrim, we stopped off at our dormitory where we all said Lechaim. Yoim Kippur, Rabbi Tachtel, Napoleon's march of this year is one of those scenes that will stay with me for my whole life. When the special moment arrived, all eyes were focused on the Rebbe. At first, the Rebbe remained at his stender facing the wall while encouraging the singing with his hand. Moments later, the Rebbe turned around and went up the steps facing the crowd and began to encourage the singing intensely while his face was covered with his talis. No words would do justice to describing what it was like. It was a very powerful moment. It felt as though this is it. Nothing else existed then. At the end of the singing, instead of going down from the steps and back to his place, as the Rebbe would usually do, the Rebbe remained standing on top of the steps, facing the crowd. The Rebbe removed the talis from covering his face, 
and his face was beaming brilliantly. It was as though the surreal experience of Napoleon's march froze. Rabbi Tenenbaum blew the shofar, which was followed by the cry of the Shana Habab Yerushalayim. Just then, in a surprise to everyone present, the Rebbe motioned, the singing should continue. The crowd began singing as the Rebbe descended from the steps, returning to his place for Maidiv. After Havdalah, before heading back to his room, the Rebbe began singing his father's Hakafesnigin once again. B'Shem Hashem, Rabbi Lowenthal. As mentioned earlier, throughout Tishrei, there were many things that stood out, making Tishrei of Nefloi's Bakol unique. The first major event that was unprecedented and came as a big surprise was on the morning after Yom Kippur. An announcement came out from Maskiros that the Rebbe is going to give out dollars for tzedakah to boys and girls under Bar and Bas Mitzvah only. The Rebbe stressed that this is only for children and said that their teachers or parents shouldn't try to make any kunsen tricks and try to receive a dollar themselves. Rabbi Sharf, at the time I was a child and therefore merited to receive a dollar on that day. First, the girls from Beis Rifka went by, then the boys from Aleteira. We went by the Rebbe class by class. To each one of us, the Rebbe gave a dollar, while the Rebbe looked at each of us with a beaming smile. It was indeed a very special moment. Rabbi Zalmanov, This was a unique opportunity for me to receive a dollar from the Rebbe on a regular day, since we generally avoided going to dollars other than for special occasions, such as birthdays, so as not to inconvenience the Rebbe. We also only went for Keshel Bracha once a year, not every time it happened. Sukkis, Rabbi Lowenthal. Throughout this Tishrei, there were different modifications made in a There were different modifications made in an attempt to make things easier for the Rebbe and out of concern for the Rebbe's health. Among these changes, it was decided that the Sicha, the Rebbe says on the Yomtev Nights of Sukkis, will be said at the Rebbe's Farbrengen place, as opposed to the front of Shul, which also made it possible for many more people present to be able to hear. A chair was set up, hoping the Rebbe would speak while sitting. The fact that the Sicha would be said here was great news for me personally. I had the perfect place and I would surely be able to catch every word. Rabbi Schmerling For this purpose, a makeshift bridge was erected and after Maidiv, the Rebbe walked over this bridge to his Fabrengen place. When the Rebbe arrived, the Rebbe asked, Where is the stender? Rabbi Groner attempted to ask if the Rebbe would sit. In the end, the Rebbe stood, leaning with his fists on the table, without a stender. Subsequently, this turned out to be a bigger strain on the Rebbe. I was standing close enough to see. I was shaken when I noticed the Rebbe's knuckles were completely white from the pressure 
And yet the Rebbe continued speaking for over a half an hour. Needless to say, before the next night, the shtender was brought over. And on Matzah again, the Sicha was said from this place. Before the Rebbe began the Sicha, the Rebbe started singing Visomachta. It was a very special moment. The Rebbe stood in the center of the shul and encouraged the singing of the Hasidim with great vigor. The Great Surprise Rabbi Lowenthal The greatest surprise of Tishrei Nefloi's Bakel was undoubtedly the events of the first morning of Sukkis. I woke up early and was present in front of 770 at 8 o'clock a.m. when the Rebbe came out to his sukkah to make the bracha on the lulav and esrig. There were only a handful of bachrim present. The Rebbe came out holding his lulav and esrig and went into his sukkah in the yard in front of 770. About 10 minutes later, the Rebbe left his sukkah and started walking towards the large sukkah of 770. Personally, I thought the Rebbe was going to check the mezainas that were prepared for the guests. We followed the Rebbe into the sukkah, and to our surprise, the Rebbe just continued walking until the end of the sukkah. Rabbi Schmerling When the Rebbe came out in the morning, I was already waiting in line to make the bracha on the Rebbe's lulav as soon as possible. I wanted to be part of the early crowd in order to be ready for davening at 10 o'clock when the Rebbe was expected to come downstairs for Shachris. In a short amount of time, it became clear that davening wasn't going to begin at the regular time today. The news made its way down the line that the Rebbe is there. The Rebbe had said he wanted to watch everyone make the bracha on the lulav that day. To be honest, I didn't know exactly what that meant until it was almost my turn when I saw the Rebbe standing in the corner of the sukkah where everyone benched, watching everyone make the bracha. For many bachrim, to have to say a bracha in the Rebbe's presence was very difficult. You see, most bachrim never spoke to the Rebbe. Even when they went for dollars on their birthday, for example... Instead of telling the Rebbe, Heint is my name who led us, today is my birthday, they would ask Rabbi Groner to tell the Rebbe it's their birthday, out of awe of speaking directly to the Rebbe. Personally, I would tell the Rebbe these things directly, yet nonetheless, this situation was very different. You weren't just saying a bracha, you were also doing something. The Rebbe is standing on the side and observing you from up close while you are doing a mitzvah. For me, it was a very overwhelming experience. I must point out, the Rebbe was not gazing with a stern, penetrating look, like the Rebbe would look at you during dollars, for instance. It felt like the Rebbe is looking with a savored panim yafis, graciously. It was the most profound an intimate moment everyone merited to have with the Rebbe on that day. Many people, the Rebbe helped them make the bracha by correcting their mistakes. One individual who came from France and didn't know the brachas 
The Rebbe said the whole bracha with him, word by word. Rabbi Tachtel, I want to point out the space in this sukkah was very limited. Aside from the fact that the Rebbe was observing you, it had a feeling of a private yechidus. You were alone with the Rebbe for that moment. The Rebbe looked at each person with a fatherly look. I remember at one point, Reb Shimshin Stock suggested that the Rebbe should sit. The Rebbe declined and wished him agut yamtif. Rabbi Zalmanov, I was 12 years old, so not yet able to bench on the Rebbe's lulav. Instead, I stood on a table in the sukkah by the window of the Cheder Sheni, watching the Rebbe the entire time. Since the Rebbe kept asking if there were more people that didn't bench yet, it was understood that he wanted everyone to come, even those that initially were not planning to. For some people, that caused a dilemma, as they had already benched on their own Dalad Minim. I overheard one younger man tell another to just get in line, and when it is his turn, he should mumble the bracha without actually saying Hashem's name. But that suggestion was immediately rejected by others who had reported that the Rebbe wanted to hear everyone's bracha clearly and be able to answer Amen for each person. Rabbi Schmerling, The Rebbe waited until everyone benched and it took close to six and a half hours until after 2.30 in the afternoon. Only then did the Rebbe come downstairs to Shul for Shachris. Rabbi Tachtel, during Hallel, when the crowd sang Hallelujah, during Hallel, when the crowd sang Hallelujah, Hashem Kol Goyim, the Rebbe encouraged the singing very much, more than usual. We later learned that at exactly that moment, President Bush held a speech in the UN about Eretz Yisrael, which led to the Madrid conference that took place a few weeks later. Rabbi Schmerling, towards the end of Musaf, Rabbi Groner asked the Rebbe regarding Mincha. The Rebbe motioned that he was going to daven Mincha right after Musaf. Rabbi Groner asked if he should go upstairs and bring down the Rebbe's hat. The Rebbe motioned to him that it wasn't necessary. Immediately following Musaf, the Rebbe Davin Mincha with his talis, something very unusual. Shmini Atzeres, Rabbi Tachtel. When the Rebbe entered Shul from Maidiv of Shmini Atzeres, he turned around to the crowd and encouraged the singing in a most extraordinary way. The Rebbe did not give any time to warm up. As soon as Simchas Torah began, he began encouraging the joy of the Chassidim with the full intensity, surpassing all expectations. The same thing repeated itself when the Rebbe entered Shul for Hakafis a short while later, immediately motioning to whistle as well. Rabbi Schmerling, after Maidiv on the night of Shmini Atzeres, the Rebbe said a sicha. The Rebbe instructed everyone to go outside to the sukkah and make Kiddush. 
Then the Rebbe went on to state brachis, which began with each letter of the olive bays, shnas oira, shnas bracha, and so on, articulating many of them at great length. Upon reaching the letter pei, the Rebbe said, may it be a shnas pedus, redemption, and especially with regard to the ability to articulate words of Torah, bepeh, with one's mouth. Unfortunately, a few short months later, after Chavzai and other Aleph, these words took on a frightening new meaning. At the conclusion of the Sicha, the Rebbe began his father's Hakafisnigin and then made his way back upstairs to his room. Rabbi Lowenthal This was the first of many Nigunim that the Rebbe started that night. At the conclusion of the first recitation of Atta the Rebbe began this nigan again. After the second and third recitation of Atta the Rebbe started the nigan of Zolshin Zayn Degeula. Afterwards, the Rebbe recited the Pasuk of the Hoya Zaracha three times and again began to sing his father's Hakafes nigan, intensely encouraging the singing. The moment the singing finished, the Rebbe began to sing Uforatsta, while again strongly encouraging the singing. During Hakafis, the Rebbe would always go to the center of the shul for the first Hakafa. He would hold his small Sefer Torah while dancing vigorously, swaying the Sefer Torah in all directions. Rabbi Sharf during the intermediate hakafis, various groups were honored to go with the Sifritayda to the hakafa, while the Rebbe would remain at his place in the front of Shul on the elevated bima and encourage the singing from there. To the right of the Rebbe's bima, there was a small window of space between it and the wall for older chsidim who weren't capable of enduring all the pushing. In general, Throughout Hakafes, many people felt it was an auspicious time to request the Rebbe's bracha for whatever it may be they needed. Indeed, many people merited special brachas during Hakafes. I remember witnessing one of these on the night of Shmini Atzeres. The fifth Hakafa was given to Rabbanim and Mashpim. Rabbi Hillel Pevsner of Paris who was standing among the older chassidim, on his way to the hakafa, had to pass by the Rebbe's bima. At the time, he was suffering with an ailment in his feet, and he approached the Rebbe and asked for a bracha. The Rebbe turned to him and answered Amen to his request. Another thing that stands out in my memory from that night is the sixth hakafa, which was given to the Tankistin and Shluchim from around the world. When they went for the hakafa, they sang Shluchi Adineinu. The Rebbe turned to face the Shluchim dancing and observed them with a distinctive look, yet didn't encourage the singing throughout the hakafa. Rabbi Lowenthal Just as the first hakafa, the seventh and final hakafa was the Rebbe's. The Rebbe would again dance in the center of the shul holding his small Sefer Torah. The Hakafa began by motioning the crowd to sing the regular Hakafa Snigin and danced around and around for several minutes. When the Rebbe slowed down, the singing became quiet 
as everyone thought the hakafa was over. Suddenly, to everyone's surprise, the Rebbe began to sing Ufaratsta, continuing the hakafa for several more minutes. When this concluded, again everyone was sure the hakafa was over, but the Rebbe's holy voice was heard loud and clear, Nyet Nyet Nikava, while continuing to dance and encourage the singing very intensely for several more minutes. At the conclusion of the night, just before leaving Shul, the Rebbe started his father's Hakafasnigan one more time, in a manner different from years prior, in just one night, we merited to hear the Rebbe start a total of ten nigunim. Simchas Torah, Rabbi Tachtel. While we were on Tahalucha, the Rebbe's Farbrengen had started. Naturally, on the way back, we ran as fast as we could. I remember arriving at 770 in the middle of the Farbrengen. The crowd was singing Zol Shein Zayin and a few minutes into the Nigin, the Rebbe suddenly stood up on his feet and began dancing in his place with great joy. The Rebbe was waving his hands in all directions and also motioned to whistle. It was very malchustic. This lasted for about five minutes. Later in the Fabrengen, the Rebbe explained the psukim of Atahoresa, concluding by saying that the Chabad custom is to add Vahoyazaracha, reciting the complete pasuk in the tone the Rebbe used for the recitation before Hakafis. Everyone responded after the Rebbe in the same tone, Vahoyazaracha. This repeated itself another two times. After the third time, the Rebbe began singing Ufaratsta. It was very freilach. Rabbi Sharf, there is one thing that stands out in my memory from the eve of that Simchas that I presume went mostly unnoticed. There was a bacher from Eretz Yisrael who apparently wasn't fully familiar with the way things worked in 770. He made himself a place for Hakafis by connecting a board to the front left beam of the shul, on which he climbed and was standing on top of it when the Rebbe came into the shul. This bacher made it up to his place and was grabbing onto the beam as tight as he could, while people behind him were trying to get him down from his place, as apparently he was somewhat obscuring their view of Hakafis. I was watching this from the side, and it was obvious that the Bachar didn't stand a chance in this struggle. All this was going on while the Rebbe had already entered the shul from the back. 770 was so packed that the Vat HaMesader had to force a space open for the Rebbe to be able to pass. Needless to say, it took a good few minutes till the Rebbe got to his place in front of the shul. As the Rebbe approached the beams in the front, the people behind were just about successful in pulling this bacher down when the Rebbe looked up for a moment at what was happening and everything stopped. In a quick and mostly unnoticed gesture, the Rebbe saved this bacher's place for Hakafis. This episode reminded me again 
that no matter how many people may be packed into 770, the Rebbe remains fully attentive to the needs of each and every individual. Rabbi Zalmanov, that Simchas Torah was the first time I had a good place for Hakafis. My father's friend offered to take me to his place right next to the Rebbe's Bima in front of the shul. In addition to being able to hear the Rebbe recite, Atta Hadesa, etc., that spot also had the advantage that when the Rebbe went to the middle of the shul for the first and seventh Hakafis, I was able to go on to the Rebbe's Bima and see across the entire shul, watching the Rebbe dance with the Torah without anyone obstructing my view. On Simchas Torah morning, 770 was emptier than the night before, so Hakafes felt a lot more intimate. This was especially the case for me, as there was a designated place for children near the Ches, separated by a piece of plywood, and we were as close to the Rebbe as one could ever get during Hakafes. Several times during Hakafes, in the middle of the dancing and with his talis constantly slipping, the Rebbe reached towards the plywood to allow us to touch the Sefer Torah and kiss it. Rabbi Schmerling, The Hakafes of Simchas Torah morning I remember very vividly. As in the previous two nights, the Rebbe went to the center of the shul for the Hakafa. I had a very good place, so I was able to see from up close how vibrantly the Rebbe was dancing. The Rebbe was holding his small Sefer Torah while dancing in a circle repeatedly. The Rebbe's joyous dancing was so intense that his talis kept slipping almost completely off. The Mazkirim were sitting on the floor near the Rebbe and had to keep jumping up to fix the placement of the Rebbe's talis. While the Rebbe was dancing around and around, I was able to see clearly how the Rebbe was focused on making individual contact with everyone present. It was awe-inspiring. The Rebbe was dancing with so much enthusiasm and at the same time was staring very deeply into every single individual present. On a personal level, I must say that although every time the Rebbe looked at you, it was very moving, this time the Rebbe looked at me, I felt it was unique. I can't describe it in words, but it definitely captivated me on an entirely different level. Today, when I think back to the events of that Tishrei, the last one we merited to be with the Rebbe before Chavzayin Adar, it is clear to me that besides for the overwhelming amount of Giluim on a general level, the Rebbe also made a particular effort on both the first day of Sukkot and on Simchas Torah to connect with every chassid in the most intimate way possible. Seeing off the guests, Rabbi Schmerling, at the conclusion of Tishrei, the Rebbe held a yechidus for all the guests who came for Tishrei. As usual, the yechidus was held in groups. The first group consisted of chassanim and kales. The second group was children of Baram Bas Mitzvah, and the third group was the Bachrim. Those who were learning in New York and weren't guests, myself included, were in the women's section upstairs. The Rebbe spoke to the Bachrim for longer than usual.
For many, this Yechidus was sort of a culmination of the whole Tishrei. After everything we had experienced and hearing from the Rebbe extraordinary ideas, mostly about Mashiach, at the Fabrengins and Sichas throughout the whole month, and living with the Kach the Rebbe had infused us with, the Rebbe was now speaking directly to the Bachrim. The Rebbe spoke of the obligation the Bachrim have to study Torah, reiterating this five times throughout the Sicha. The Rebbe went on to say that the involvement in learning must be to the point that at night one should be dreaming about the subjects in Torah he is learning. It was evident that the Rebbe was telling us Bachrim that no matter what is going on, the Rebbe's main demand to the Bachrim never changed, and as Bachrim we are meant to stay focused on our study of Torah first and foremost.